So hi, my name is Natalia Rincon and I am a co-founder and CEO at Chaos. And my name is Paloma Bautista and I'm the other co-founder and I'm also the COO at Chaos. Welcome. This is just like the first episode of our Unraveling Cities podcast. We felt that we should dedicate this episode just to present ourselves. Maybe you can tell something about yourself briefly so they know, like a bit about your background also. Who are they listening to? In schooling, I'm an engineering in computer science and architect. I have a candidate uh, position for a PhD in Aalto University in smart cities. Uh, in my life, I've been working in a lot of places. My first job was at Blackbuster, <laughs> uh, calling people to bring their videos, please. And, um, I've been uh, in the city council here in Finland, uh, sitting in boards like for urban planning, uh, traveling, living in a lot of different countries in the world, studying architecture as well, working in architecture firms and uh, urban planning firms and and so on and uh, finally I, I heard a calling mm -hmm. I my dad is an entrepreneur so I thought that I will never become an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and here I am like with the same amount of risk that my dad has also taught me so here I am what can I say and I, I am a nerd also and an extrovert like <laughs> <laughs> a confession <laughs> This is my confession. I love Excel and PowerPoint, and I I just open Excel right away when I have to do something. And if you tell me that, well, you have to do extra hours on Saturday to get this cash flow, no worries. I got just a cup of coffee and Excel, and I'm relaxed. <laughs> what about you? It's very uh, magical somehow how you are all the way from Mexico coming to Finland, I come also from a remote place, but in Europe, in from Canary Islands, and then we end up here in Helsinki, like building all this, like who would have thought, you know? Yeah. But about myself, so yeah, I come from, for me, it's where I come from is a, holds a very special place in my heart because it's, well, in Finland, you all know <laughs> Las Palmas, but <laughs> maybe you know the other side where you just, escape the the weather from here and go there and it's uh the warmest place like in, in europe during winter and where we have the most hours of sun now this is a commercial for the tourism agency <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh there's such a clash there it's there's such a, a variety of influences because we are kind of in the middle of nowhere they're floating uh belonging to to Spain, so pol politically, and so everything that goes with that and affects us. But then geographically, we are just near near Africa. Uh, we also get all the sand from the Sahara when the, the wind blows. But then in our hearts also, because of generations uh, migrating to Latin America, we have that Latin soul as well. So maybe that's also why, why we connect. But yeah, that's I, I find that a very kind of rich heritage in, in a way. I studied architecture. I studied back there in in Spain, and then I um, I think my my the moment where I opened my eyes and I thought like okay I already wanted to do something 
to make a difference, but didn't know exactly what. My dad was also an entrepreneur. And then uh, when I worked for the uh, consultancy, it's an engineer consultancy that serves the Ministry of Development in uh, in Spain. So they're in charge of all the public contests when you're building an airport or whatever uh, infrastructure, public infrastructure. So for years, there's been the project in Canary Islands of building a train. It has a lot of opposition. <laughs> And it was a very interesting moment for me because it was where I actually ended up kind of grading projects and evaluating projects that also my former teachers in university were applying to. So they were like these renowned architects. Uh And I was like, ah, now the wheels turn. (laughs) Now Uh, I'm going to make you cry. (laughs) Exactly. But no, mostly it was because I saw the process of how a whole project is developed from the moment that it's an idea to when it actually goes to public consultation and people can say something about it, which was too late. And that's why the opposition, because no matter how great the project is, you're changing something that's been done in a way. And if you don't include people on time, an opinion, then uh, you will just get them on the enemy side instead of on your side. So kind of that for me was a bit like an important moment. And, um, well, I ended up coming to Tampere, where I met Natalia, and then moved to here to Helsinki when we started the company after a lot of commuting <laughs> for a couple of months. But, but yeah, and um, I, I like everything that's creative. Like, I actually, when I started, I was doing the marketing side when we were, like, four people. <laughs> now we are 13. And... Uh, so I was very happy to be kind of designing the image of chaos initially and, and stuff like that. And I also like Excel very much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a shared value. <laughs> Welcome to our first podcast. Uh, it's called Unraveling Cities. Uh, the, the reason behind the name is like we, we made a competition like in like the team and everybody voted for names and we unraveling cities came as one the winner and if it's of course something that it's very close to our hearts so we we for sure uh voted for that option because what we aim to do is to actually little by little open the box of what a city is which is a very complex pandora box Yeah, I agree. And hopefully shed some clarity or maybe the opposite, uh, little by little in these small podcast sessions that we will be having from now on. Yeah, uh, I think you put it very well. Like, a city is very complex and speaking about what happens in a city, like, you can spend, you know, a lot of hours just, like, sitting together and, and speaking about, about that and maybe we tell you a bit also about why are we doing what we're doing here and who who we are and probably we connect with you guys and you're able to relate to to our story yeah i agree that i, I am super excited also to be doing this with you i think we have a lot of um, experiences that um, we only keep between us but I think from time and time, we get a lot of questions uh, about how we are doing this and why and, and how to do it or how to start uh, and the challenges and but uh, like everything that a startup comprehends, 
But I guess that also people are interested in, in our story. I think that's uh, what we get a lot also of questions. Um, so yeah, really happy and excited. So what is your story? <laughs> not that I have not heard it, but yeah. My story is complicated and long. <laughs> so make it sweet and short. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, maybe like how I ended up here in Finland, uh, I, I just start from there and mm -hmm. summarize it. But it was for love. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you and me share that. Yeah. And many other people that come to Finland, yeah. those that, that come don't come because of the weather <laughs> they come for love yeah, yeah. If you don't come for for the weather it's love then yeah. why you come uh so yeah we are both here because we were imported to finland and uh, we decided to stay here um we initially well we both have a background in architecture that was yeah just super random <laughs> we were both architects and that's how we met Yeah, and, but I think that was key, actually. Um, and a lot of people ask us that also, like, how come? Because Chaos is a tech company. Even if the name sometimes is a bit disturbing for people, Chaos Architects, it's more architects as, uh, of course, somebody who, who builds something, but not necessarily uh, planning a building. Um, it can also be an architect as in a software architect, which is actually what we do here. It's tech and it's AI. But I think that what, and we are from very different places, so still our experiences can be very different, but the architecture experience, <laughs> I think, is something that you only understand when you have gone through the process. Yeah. And what you get out from that is for sure resilience. Like you're able to, um, you have this huge drive, you, you are able to follow a vision through, um, I think maybe those are the qualities that are. Yeah, I, and I agree. I, I think that a lot of people misunderstand the word architecture. It, of course, we always relate it to design of buildings, mm -hmm. but architecture is uh, the architect of a system, you know, like putting parts together, like of a system, a very complex system. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I agree with you, like being an architect and studying architecture requires a lot of resilience <laughs> and I have to be honest, there's a lot of students that cry going through the process. Yeah. And, but as an architect, what I can, I have also a background in computer science, but I've never experienced the amount of workload that architecture brings in any other thing. Yeah, same here. And then I think also, apart from that resilience and that kind of hardcore working <laughs> like <laughs> mindset, um, It's also the ability to look at the big picture that we kind of get there. Or, or I don't know if it's something that already it's in those people that want to follow that path, you know? And that's something that continues in the startup world that you have to really understand what's the vision and what do you want to pursue and sometimes get the energy from a unknown place yeah. <laughs> to reach there. And survive only in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a tea drinker, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like uh, I, I think that's part of the uh, when going through the architecture courses, like you really have to, you know, understand that it's a super big task. You're gonna, you're not gonna end up in or do it in one night. You have to work throughout the course, like 
one semester or so like in, in one project or even more semesters some courses are yeah, very for long. me it was like even nine months like the whole year yeah the whole year to make a, a project a plan of complicated stuff uh, buildings like could be an airport or a metro or hospital to get laughed at <laughs> by the teachers in the end but yeah most of the times like <laughs> yeah. if you really like listening to harsh feedback Maybe that, that's one of the things that architects learn, like a lot of times, no, like to hear the word no and get comfortable with the feedback. That's true. And you know also what else I think, because when you have to design, you have to design for others. You have to really leave sometimes your kind of own opinion aside for under, to understand what the end user is, is really needing. And the end user can be, if you're doing urban planning, it can be all of us as citizens, or it can be just one person like uh, having a project for a building or like their home. Mm. And I think that's super important also here, like in, in any business like, to understand yeah. the customer. Exactly. I, I think you put a good point there because uh, so much rhetoric that we hear in the architecture courses about understanding the user. Mm-hmm. Like, who is the user? Why? Uh, there are some architects, famous architects, um, Mies van der Rohe was, that went to leave. When he, whenever he had, like, a project, he went to leave with the family because the users were asking certain things, you know, having design homes and minimalist uh, things. But then when he noticed, like, what was, like, how they use the home, then he he proposed something different that the family was asking because he studied what were their, you know, schedules and, and, and habits and how do they spend time? So I really like that. And it's true. In a startup, we hear this rhetoric that you have to understand the customer. What do they really need versus nice to have? and Or even what they want. Yeah. yeah. And can they express what they really need? So I completely agree. It's like you always have to put the architect, I think, graduates with a mentality that you have to understand the other one so are you proposing that we move into our customers homes <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> maybe, 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 you're maybe we should just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should just like be there one month you know uh, sitting like hearing the asset managers and analysts like what, what are you doing today but you know that that is like a lot somehow what we did when we started i mean we didn't invade anybody's privacy but we had a lot of these uh, workshopping and brainstorming with the customers. And I think that that was a privilege also. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's something that every company gets to do. So we had quite, I don't know if we like picked the right people or what is it, but how they opened us also and how they were willing to tell us their pain. And then that we were, we were like psychologists asking all the questions. Yeah. Like, what is it exactly that you need and do you have this and why and why and why and why and only that way you get to actually provide a service that then is actually useful for them so yeah i completely agree with that but maybe i want to make also uh, a comment there um going back to when we started like um i think um not everybody is really uh lucky or blessed to find find like a um, co-founder that shares so many good ideas uh, and 
also bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ideas in general. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that when we met, we both were in that moment of life that we wanted to do something else, like that we kind of knew that architecture, as in drawing forever, was not enough. Yeah. How to make an impact. I yeah. think was a little thing in our heads. Yeah. How to make an impact. And maybe with that mentality of people and the users, you know, mm -hmm. that how to help broader in a broader spectrum and, and faster or, or yeah. to more people, like reach more people. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, I think that's one thing that kind of glue us together. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's much like, I guess, like a romantic relationship also. Like if, if anybody's wondering, what's the first thing I should do to start up my own like business or something? I would say that choose who you're starting it with super carefully. And because I feel like Natalia and I, like we share values. I think that's really crucial. But then we have very different personalities that complement each other. So I think that's the beauty of things. Yeah, and, and I, I completely agree. I so Things that I hate about myself and then I see, you know, strengths in you and I'm like, yes, like <laughs> this is what I'm speaking about. <laughs> so, yeah. So choose, choose carefully who you... I like or sound like a mother. <laughs> choose carefully who you're going with yes. in general in life. <laughs> And I also think uh, we did something, if we think back to the very beginning. So when we speak about the beginning, it's 2017, uh, when we kind of formalized things. But actually, when we started, we were already having the ideas, but we had not created a company as such. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, I don't know if it was that we did it like consciously back then, but I think it was a very good way of doing things when I look back, because... It's very hard also to get everybody uh, committed to something that's so long-term. And there's going to be a lot of try and, and, and failure and, and again and again. And the way that we started with a kind of association, how is it in English? Mm -hmm. uh, cooperative. Yeah, co yeah, cooperative. Allows a lot of flexibility until you are actually knowledgeable enough to say, okay, now this is what I want to kind of make official. And then we do a... Uh, liability company an llc but i i think that uh maybe also a good point in that because i was also a lesson learned i mean that's a good way to start because you don't have all these tough agreements like in the shareholders agreement mm -hmm. but i think maybe i wonder if that was a mistake you know because in finland at least uh, in the local environment when you start a cooperative and then you transform that into an llc you're the years count you know That's you're you're then an older company even though you just made a transformation so that has affected us somehow when we say like how, how old are you and then you go to the public registry and say well we have x amount of years but then you say actually our operations only started you know this year that is very true and yeah it's quite the opposite of everything else in life. So normally age doesn't matter, it's a number, but not when you're doing business, unfortunately. So when there's key, I would say key years or milestones and five years is one of those, like when you're already five, there's expectations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and maybe also one thing I, we could have done better uh, 
so we're building this complex product, which is requires a lot of deep tech, heavy, you know, machine learning and a lot of data, like big data. So a lot of state of the art tech, and it's not just like a visualizing something, but I think that we were conscious about that. And that's why we did a lot of, um, you know, meeting customers and, and trying to figure out that is this that we're building the idea, like something that we, are we thinking straight and can we validate with a customer? So I think that process that took us like some years of bootstrapping, um, I think maybe we should have had clearer way, you know, like, okay, this is like bootstrapping and that's it and maybe a different way to organize our own operations. I, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, of course. Like now, after five to six years of experience in the business, you would go back and do things. Sometimes not so much differently, but maybe with the knowledge that you have, they would be faster for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think we could have done what we did like in a shorter period of time. But I'm I'm very thankful that we got that kind of customer relationships that helped us validate the product that now it's very solid and like a, a market fit. Yeah. But what, what other things can you think that was like a lesson? Well, we have a lot of lessons learned <laughs> to share. Um, so if we could just continue a, a bit more with this customer understanding, I would say that once that you think that you have understood the customer, then still you haven't. <laughs> like ask more yeah. and continuously. And it's not like, oh, check. And like, it's a continuous process. So, and it's uh, it's your choice in a way to make um, them your best ally. Mm. And I think also that um, if you nurture these relationships, they will help you like get to where you want to get with the company. But it's also true that sometimes it can be very painful that you have to be ready to receive really harsh feedback and well, basically just people. Yeah. And maybe sometimes it's not harsh. Maybe it's just the answer or like the feedback that you don't want to hear. It's not necessarily harsh. It's more like, we don't have a need for these, you know, and they're as polite as they can be. And, you know, they uh, try to work with you. But then as a founder, which I think is also a challenge for most founders, is that taking the feedback that you don't have a good product, you know, like you don't have a good idea. So I think it's more, like, yeah. Yeah. It's more like an ego thing or pride thing. Yeah. So. so totally you have to leave that aside and question a lot and ask the team, like, are we doing the right thing? And ask the board and ask everybody. Yeah. They question yourself. Maybe maybe one of the lessons, I mean, in all the gamma of lessons that we have had, uh, just based on this topic, it's um, maybe preparing the team to, you know, receive these, uh, be ready to take no 100 times, and then maybe 1% of the time the yes is going to come. So the mental preparation of the team, I think we should maybe have spent more time in that. Or, or is something that maybe you don't learn until you just experience it, right? Yeah, maybe it transmits a bit of the mindset of having studied architecture and <laughs> receiving the thousand no's. Yeah. But yeah, but then at the same time, I think something, I hope that we have managed that and maybe it's more like the team that has to answer than us, you know, but 
actually making like doing business but keeping the human touch yeah. in everything we do and maybe this goes back to link to the customers like if you at the end of the day you just really think like everybody's a person and everybody's having their stuff yeah. going on and you connect with them and you connect with your team with the individual behind whatever it is is it a vc or there's a person there so really be open in that way and like to connect and i i hope that we have managed to do that it's a hard thing to balance i think mm-hmm. like juggle this this is a business and we have to make business and at the same time uh is everybody all right you know and like everybody's having their personal matters ourselves included um and we want to take care of everybody uh but of course there has to be limits so that's a very complex equation i think yeah and brings us back to the purpose like why we started this it was about people exactly so maybe as architects we discussed a lot that again like trying to understand the end user of a building this was not very well done in architecture when, when planning a building or a concept. There's still a lot of manual things that are happening. You know, you stand out of a shopping mall and see how many people are entering and how they're walking and count them, you know. That is a very architecture practice. Yeah. And you would just sit somewhere and observe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We had a lot of those things and like how are people experiencing the space? And that's how we started. Like cities should be better for people like we are not observing them enough yeah <laughs> that sounded creepy <laughs> but actually it is how it started and then we just figure out like okay there's there's better ways with the technology that we have in hand and the data that we have in hand there's better ways than doing this so manually and so uh in individual cases so that's where the big data comes in and then we are also biased because that's true I, I think that's like the beauty of big data, yeah. that I might have an opinion and I think that, hey, we need benches in this park. Yeah. Someone else might say that, no, it's not benches, it's like trash bins or yeah. whatever. And I think that the beauty of big data, as in a democracy, you know, or any participative like process, is that you, you're actually like taking into account all the neighboring uh services and and all the neighbors of yeah. a space and then say what does what is uh the thing that benefits everyone in that community the I most i agree with that the collective thinking and like it becomes less individual and that's also a question that we have gotten a lot in the past like so are you tracking people it's not at all that's not even useful for anything mm-hmm. uh we need to understand masses we need to understand behaviors we need to understand the, the need. The, is there a demand for something? So we don't end up, and I say we, I mean like everybody in the, in the urban development process, building cities that are for nobody, that are ghost cities. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the values we share since the beginning. Um, that we are not okay just building empty buildings. And, and then as architects, I think both like sustainability is quite embedded in our practice. So we get this feeling that why are we putting trees down and bringing concrete and building something that it's not going to be inhabited. Mm -hmm. So yeah, going, it's all about people and how do you make uh, a business profitable out of that? You know, like how can 
making the world better be profitable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it sounded when we started with this rhetoric, we got a lot to comment like, this is a very romantic idea, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, we're fine with that. Yeah, it might be romantic. Like, that's part of, like, I, it's in, inherent of us also, like, mm-hmm. the, we're living in a, in a bigger thing and in a better way of doing things and in improving things for everybody. But it's doable. Yeah. I mean, it's not now, like, when, with all the tech that we have, like, yeah. it's more about mindset, actually, yeah. than anything else. Uh, and I think we have some wins in our favor because with all these, you know, crises that we have been experiencing, uh, the silver lining of that is that it kind of brought a lot of stakeholders from the industry realizing that we actually have to make a change. Maybe not motivated by the same thing, or maybe yes. I I, I think I want to believe that as humans we are all motivated to do good, but sometimes, of course, business interests steps in in between because you don't know how to uh, marry both ideas but with the crises i think all the stakeholders are trying to bring those two ideas to coexist that you can make a good impact and you can have a good business yeah so <clears throat> What do you what do you think are like uh, the most uh, memorable uh, moments so far? For us, I always remember when we got our first office <laughs> in Maria Zero One, the startup hub or innovation like campus, um, and where it's an old hospital, hundred and thirty year old hospital. Maybe now it's hundred and thirty five year old building, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and we were wearing wearing helmets. <laughs> That's how we entered first time the the office because it was necessary. Like the place was still in bits and pieces, but we were super charmed because I think that we also believe in this kind of retrofitting idea and like rescuing, like uh, repurposing, like seeing the potential. And then there was a community being built there, so we were also lucky to get the Maria project from the start. So. In parallel, like the community and the whole innovation center was growing, and then we were also developing our our projects here at KS. So that I remember like very fondly, and also traveling from Tampere all the way there when I was still living there. So yeah, the opposite or the other memorable thing is when we actually went oh, out yeah. of money. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then we. I remember the memorable thing is that when we brought the team to the new office, which is super nice, we brought them and they said, finally, an office that I can feel proud of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you're thinking, okay, so we are moving in the right direction. But um, yeah, like overall, like, is there something else that uh, you remember? Well, signing the first share, so actually getting the first investors on board also and formalizing everything. Uh, that meant that we are not just two crazy women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's support behind and that we are making some sense at least. And uh, yeah, that was quite meaningful moments. And then uh, many moments like uh, building the team, um, actually seeing people from outside also wanting to join the team like 
seeing the the, the attraction, how how they feel, like all that. It's like I feel so proud, like of of everybody here. Yeah. Like, This is one of the questions that we have a, get a lot. Like, how do you form a team? Um, you're working very closely with recruiting and operations. You know what? Actually, when I started hiring myself, uh, so I was the, the person in charge of the hiring here already five years ago. It goes back to that point because I remember the suffering of having to tell no to a person that I actually thought it was really valid to many people. But it's just not a match, and it's not—it's nothing personal at all. And they're still great, and they have great skills. But it's just like again, like getting married or something. Like it's there's this one thing I don't know what it is. Also, for people that might be hearing us and having been rejected from interviews or something, like there's nothing wrong with anybody. Like, yeah, that's how it goes, unfortunately. Like, yeah, and remembering that we're all persons, so. Yeah like in different stages of life as well. Exactly. So the startup, the startup um, ecosystem or life is challenging. It's not for everybody. Yeah. And I don't mean like there's better people than others. It's just like you have different tastes, you know? Like Yeah, and it's very, very high pace. That's true. Like yeah. something that we also try to be making everybody aware that maybe you and me, we have gone through that. We, we have... A lot of moments also where you and me have to put a lot of extra hours and weekends and it's like uh, i really think we share that attitude that no questions asked let's do it you know yeah. so, so we're here for this. yeah, yeah. Uh, and i think that has been crucial for both that you have yeah. someone that feels like that yeah. that you don't even have to explain that we have to do this so that, that has been key So thank you for all the extra hours. <laughs> Maybe from my side, one of the things you, you, you deal a lot with the team <clears throat> that is in-house and operations, you know. Uh, I deal a lot of with the team that we are recruiting to invest. <laughs> we, we have this thing with a, with a whole team. I think Chaos Family is the team that is working here, you know, making things happen in the operation. But then the team that is cheering you up from, you know, um, uh, how do you say this? Las gradas. Ah, the benches? I don't yeah, know. Like, like from, from the side of the court, like, you, you know, in sports. Yeah. Uh, and they're cheering you up and they're giving you feedback and they're yelling at you like, go for the ball. Like, don't stay there. Or, you know, run or... And I, I see our investors and shareholders and board members and advisors like that. So they're very tough, uh, uh, but they're great. I mean, their advice is so professional. And um, we have had to reject some like investors in the process. Maybe no startup things about that, that uh, be very careful of the kind of investors that you're bringing into your cap table. They're owning your company. We have had those situations where we have to say that we don't have money, but maybe no thanks, you know. Uh, and the ones that we have, yeah, like I think they have been sticking to us, pushing us, uh, cheering, and then giving feedback. I think that has been very important as well. Yeah. I think that thinking about people again, because this is very important for us, it's like giving the recognition of 
like to everyone, yeah. it, both sides, you know, the, the team, the players in the game mm-hmm. and the coaches, yeah. you know, the ones cheering there for you. It's a, a team work. No one gets to where they are alone. Yes. And we are living proof of that. That is very true because motivation is always like it's something that you have to it's like showering (laughs) you have to do it every once in a while you know it's not just like eternal and there's it's fine like there's days that you're like fuck sorry i'm not allowed to see uh or am i well um but then that you're just thinking like what what did i get into you know or like it's a huge responsibility it's a huge risk also uh, but then there's the other person reminding you why you did that. Yeah. And then the other way around. <laughs> yes, exactly. It goes back and forth. Yeah. How do you see, like, moving forward? Like, uh, where do you see chaos five years from now? Like, what, what do you want to? Maybe I'd ask you like that. What are we going to get <laughs> in five years? <laughs> Well, I already see chaos like that, so maybe it's like others see chaos <laughs> as this uh, European top-notch player that is the place to go wherever, whenever you're wondering about a location and the people in that location and you have some questions, then you know you go there. The same way that you go to Google right now whenever you have a question, a very easy place to go to to understand more about changes in a city and about how things are, um, how your decisions would impact your surroundings and other people and the city's livability all in all and sustainability and like the big picture, you know? So being recognized as that as that player, yeah, that is what I'm envisioning. <laughs> I agree. I, I think that, you know, it's super important. Uh, we share the same vision. It's like having this go-to solution that everybody thinks about. Like, oh, I want to know something about this place. And then chaos comes to your mind. That for me, like the users are really using using it and finding it useful. You know, our customers. That that's like that's highlights during our days. And and I've, we've heard different stories from our own team. Like we are a lot of foreigners here. So we come from very different parts of the world everywhere. And we've been through their process as well. You know, when they go to their home or the kind of job they left home and they came to Finland or when something is happening in their family and what kind of values the families have also in their hometowns, you know, and how their story is also affecting their family. So it's like, a lot of uh, a ripple effect also if you really see all the things that are happening yeah you touch a lot of lives yeah mm-hmm. and that that's again about people yeah yeah it's always about people no matter how complex your technology is <laughs> it's always about people We could do this forever and with a glass of wine even longer. Um, but it's 11.46. Maybe it's already good for a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so final question. This maybe we will repeat eventually also with the other ones. Like, And I ask you, or, or do you want to ask me that? I will, I will ask you. <laughs> I will pick your brain. 
So, yeah, uh, if there were no limits at all, what kind of innovation, technological innovation, would you invent to make life easier in the city? Teleportation. I, I've heard this answer somewhere before in other questions. And I think that that's amazing. Like just cutting the commuting time, you can mean any city in the world, you know, that would be really cool. I was actually just thinking about having to go to the car to change the like the disc for the payment. That would already be a good app for me or a good like system, like something that does that automatically. But if I can teleport there and back, then that's also good. I wouldn't even need a car. <laughs> I could be having like my mom's dinner on the weekends, you know, and then come back and say, oh, I had a very good mix. And no CO2 emissions. But then what about singing in the car? Like I like that. Or reading in the tram or stuff. Listening to podcasts right. <laughs> when commuting. Yeah. Yeah. We would have to make two-second podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We didn't speak about how long the teleportation would be. You know, like maybe it takes one week for you to really form in the other side. <laughs> and then you're missing an ear or like stuff like that. Yeah. Just perfecting the technology. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. Maybe I, I will think about this and come back with other things. I think that's something very important that we touched at some point was this collective thinking. And I don't know what that looks like in technology, but something that would make it easier for all of us always to see that kind of... The other side. Yeah. yeah. It's not just as an individual, but how am I affecting or... So you're able to put yourself in other shoes. And I think that's so key to... So also understand your own impact in order to make the decisions that you're making that you can then sleep with. Yeah, I agree. Some kind of technology for that. <laughs> All right. But we've come to the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoy, really, that you're not just here bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I hope that you tune in next episode. Yes, here in Unraveling Cities. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay.